everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast here on this Friday, February the 11th of 2023. It is episode number 151, and my name, of course, is Alex Dreamer. No show last week, sorry about that, but we're back here this Saturday. Uh, last time we spoke, I did share the uh, unfortunate news that Outsports will, uh, that Vox Media will no longer be hosting uh, this podcast or any of our Outsports podcasts at the end of February. Uh, that is still the case, but I promised on the show that by the end of the month, I would have a plan and I would present a plan to you about how I'm going to continue the Sports Kiki podcast in a new and improved form because that's what you do. You just evolve and get better over time. Uh, and that is still my intention. Gave me a couple more weeks. I won't have a show next week. I'll be away. Uh, the long weekend, President's Day weekend, celebrating our president's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, but then I'll be back the week after that, which I believe is the last week of February with details about where to find the next iteration of the show what my plans are. So trust me, I'm a professional. Trust me on this. But thank you as always for your listenership and your interest. Uh, It is Super Bowl Sunday, a big day, one of the most sacred days on the sports calendar, if not the most sacred day in the sports calendar, at least here in the US. Um, I have a piece on Outsports right now, five rules, yes, rules for hosting a gay Super Bowl party because us gays were the best hosts. So we take our partying seriously, and especially a Super Bowl party. It's a big opportunity for us to step outside of our comfort zone. Uh, so read that, and uh, hopefully you will enjoy uh, some, a nice, fe- some nice festivities this weekend. Uh, I will be watching the game alone, as I always do. Uh, um, but a couple of things that I want to talk about off the top, and then I do have a Super Bowl topic I want to get into. Um, pressure works. Pressure works. Over the last month here at OutSports, we've reported extensively on Tony Dungy's long history of making anti-LGBTQ statements, and he only poured poured further fuel on the fire a few weeks ago when he tweeted out that insane anti-trans conspiracy theory about students identifying as cats and using litter boxes to go to the bathroom. And then to make matters worse, he was appeared at the March for Life rally that same week and invoked DeMar Hamlin's near-cardiac arrest and Demuk Demar Hamlin's cardiac arrest and near death, I should say, and compared it to abortion, which is just beyond grotesque. So Dungy, we we shined the spotlight on him last month, and then he just kept digging himself into a further hole. And one of the revelations that we reported on with Tony Dungy is that he was scheduled to be a keynote speaker next month at an event hosted by the vehement anti-gay Christian evangelist Andrew Womack, and along with Dungy, CBS anchor James Brown, the host of their pregame show, NFL Today, was slated to speak as well. Well, I'm here to tell you, thanks to our reporting and thanks to your reaction out there, both Tony Dungy and James Brown have pulled out of the event. Sid Ziegler has a story right now on Outsports, though neither CBS nor NBC commented on the cancellation of Browns and Dungy's appearances, uh, it's quite apparent that our reporting impacted their actions. Somebody somewhere heard what we were writing about and again, what you all were talking about, tweeting about, creating pressure. Pressure worked. Yes, James Brown and Tony Dungy decided to not speak at this anti-gay event because almost certainly of the public pressure. But that's not a bad thing. You know, that's not a bad thing at all because it's not cool to be publicly 
anti-LGBTQ if you have a very public platform like Tony Dungy does and like James Brown does as well. And this ties back to the NHL and their Pride Night debacles of the last few weeks. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman did not help himself last weekend, saying that basically we, as gay people, should accept the fact that people are going to support whatever cause they want to support, and we just have to respect their freedom of choice. You know, I tweeted this. It would be interesting, uh, you know, if, let's say, a white player refused to wear an insignia for Black History Month, would Gary Bettman have the same attitude? Would he tell black people that they have to just accept that player's freedom of choice? No, of course not. But yet... Gary Bettman feels comfortable telling gay people to just accept the freedom of people to be anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ. Uh, no, that's not happening. And, 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 and it applies to Tony Dungy and James Brown. That's not happening. If you're Tony Dungy, you can hold whatever belief you want. I don't care. But as long as you're employed by NBC and one of their most prominent NFL analysts, I mean, he called a playoff game this year. He is a face of their NFL coverage. As long as he's in that kind of role, yeah, he should have to be held accountable for his anti-LGBTQ words. NBC should have to answer for his anti-LGBTQ words. And though, as I said, no public statement has been made yet by NBC, and Dungy had some weak statement a couple weeks ago, um, this is a form of accountability. Tony Dungy and James Brown are not speaking at this anti-gay Christian preachers event. They were previously scheduled to do so, but then we reported on their involvement. Public pressure mounted. Dungy, as I said, certainly did not help himself with that ridiculous litter box tweet. It was like he was trying to get fired. Nancy Armour of USA Today, Kevin Blackstone of the Washington Post, Dave Zirin of The Nation, Bomani Jones, who now hosts a show on HBO. I mean, he was just widely eviscerated and by some very highly respected people in the industry, Howard Bryant as well. So I think the message hit home here with Tony Dungy. Public pressure worked. And in this case, I can say it, the good guys won. So that's good. Pressure campaigns, not always great in today's day and age, but this was a good one. This was one just saying, hey, you know, what the hell, really? I mean, you're a lead NFL voice on NBC, or in James Brown's case, you're the host of NFL TV at of NFL Today, CBS's highly rated NFL pregame show, studio show, and you're speaking at this event by a guy, Andrew Womack, who said that being gay is worse for your health than smoking cigarettes. Come on, you have to be held accountable for that. And this is, and this is just that. This is them uh, being accountable, stepping away. So it's not everything. It's small, but it's a start. And that's a cool, and that's a good thing. So another week, another pro athlete uh, saying a gay slur on TV. Uh, this time it's Nets guard Cam Thomas. I saw this interview live. The Nets beat the Bulls on Thursday night. A big win for the Nets because their team is now completely decimated after trading Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant at the trade deadline. But despite that, the Nets beat the Bulls Thursday. They were rightfully in good spirits after the game. Spencer Denwitty, one of the new players who the Nets acquired this week, uh, said in his introductory press conference about himself and forward Dorian Finney-Smith, who also joined the Nets along with Denwitty, quote, we may not be the best trade package, but we're the best looking. And the Nets needed some help in that department. So very lighthearted, very nice. 
So naturally, Cam Thomas was asked on TNT about Dinwiddie's words, and he said, quote, I saw it, but I was like, he just talking. We already had good-looking dudes. No homo. <laughs> and our Jim Pazinski wrote this up, noticed that TNT silent reporter Jared Greenberg picked up on that quote and said, all right, I'm certain the league office will enjoy that one. <laughs> um, and yeah, in the past, the league office has disciplined players for saying that very phrase, no homo. In 2018, Nugget center Nikola Jokic, one of the best players in the league, was fined 25 grand for saying no homo during a post-game interview. Um, so the precedent has been set. The NBA five years ago suspended one of its biggest stars, Nikola Jokic, for saying no homo. What's going to happen to Nets guard Cam Thomas? He tweeted an apology late Thursday night. Quote, I want to apologize for the insensitive word I used in the post-game interview. I was excited about the win and was being playful. I definitely don't intend to offend anyone and realize that I probably did. My apologies again. Much love. Now, it's good that Thomas immediately took to Twitter and apologized. I don't think that he was intentionally putting down gay people with his no homo remark. I mean, the phrase no homo is really the epitome of what we call casual homophobia. Anti-gay words, anti-gay slurs that are said casually around the locker room all the time. And no homo is not the F word. It's not calling something gay as a put down. So it's less apparent, but it still is an anti-gay slur. Because when you say something like, oh, we got good looking guys here, no homo, that implies that, you know, there's something wrong with actually thinking you have good looking guys. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no homo. You know, you're a good looking guy, but no homo. I'm not gay. I don't be that way. No, I'm what do you, it, it, it implies that there's something wrong and embarrassing and shameful about being gay. And it's not the biggest issue in the world, but it's something that should be stamped out. This is language that should be stamped out. And if I'm looking at Cam Thomas's tweeted apology, you know, saying that you were being playful, like that's just, that's just not good enough. You know, what if someone said a racial slur and then said after, oh, I was just being playful. You know, it doesn't work here. Um, what, so what should happen? My answer is the same with all this stuff. What should happen is somebody should sit Cam Thomas down and say, hey, this is why the phrase no homo is offensive. This is why people were upset you said it. This is why the NBA may fine you for saying it. Uh, you know, explain it to him. Just allowing him to tweet out an apology, being playful. Eh, that there's no education there. And that should be the point with all this stuff. Because again, there's no way that Cam Thomas wanted to demean gay people in that post-game interview. He almost certainly didn't think he was even doing that. Again, casual homophobia. It just came out. So now the question is moving forward. How do you stop words like that from just coming out? Education. So I doubt that will happen with Cam Thomas because these sports leagues, even today in 2023, just like to wipe a lot of this stuff under the rug and move on. But Maybe we'll put the pressure on. We want education because, again, it, it doesn't mean that Cam Thomas should be canceled, shouldn't play, shouldn't be disciplined above a fine, suspended. Like, no, no, no. Nobody wants that. But he should be, there should be some court, there should be some communication. There should be a conversation, a give and take about, again, no homo and why that's hurtful. And maybe if more attention is put on it. 
we can stamp out those kinds of words. But the NBA and all these leagues, as I said, don't want attention on that kind of thing. Speaking of attention, the Super Bowl, as always, gets a lot of attention. Well, over 100 million people are expected to watch Sunday, the Eagles and the Chiefs. The previous record was about 115 million people who watched uh, the Super Bowl in 2015, Super Bowl 46, Patriots, Seahawks. For my money, and I do cover Boston sports as my day job, so listen to me. For my money, that was the best game that the Patriots played in the Super Bowl. Yes, better than 2001 comeback against the Rams. Eagles-Panthers, yes, won by a field goal. Uh, of course, you had the 28-3 comeback against the Falcons. But game from start to finish, drama, intrigue, Super Bowl 46, Patriots-Seahawks gets the edge for me. It's a narrow edge, but still the edge. So anyway, we'll see if Eagles-Chiefs tops that. But when you look at the Super Bowl, it is interesting. Or I'm sorry. Sorry, gays. When you look at the Rihanna concert this weekend with some football happening between it, it is interesting that the Super Bowl is really our last monolithic event. It's the last big example of the monoculture. Over 100 million people watching. You do not get anywhere close to those kinds of numbers for anything else. But the question is, and I think this is relevant to us gay people, gay listeners, because let's be honest, Super Bowl is not always the biggest event in our community. It's is the Super Bowl's cultural relevance fading? And I, I think we've talked about this a little bit before on the show. Gen Z, statistically, not sports fans to the level that older generations are. The Ringer had a piece about the NFL and the NFL's future, and it contained these really, really interesting um, statistics about Gen Z and their sports fandom. Uh, 43% of survey respondents who are members of Gen X, consider themselves sports fans. 43%. 41% of millennials in this survey consider themselves to be sports fans. And only 33% of respondents from Gen Z say they identify as sports fans. Meanwhile, 28% of, Jay-Z, of Gen Z respondents called themselves sports apathetic. That's nine points above millennials, eight points above Gen X. When it comes to the NFL, only 34% of Gen Z respondents said they're football fans. That's well below Gen X, 44%. Millennials, 41%. And the baby boomers, 40%. Members of the silent generation were not asked. You had to go to the State of the Union to get their representation. <laughs> um, but those are the numbers right there. And obviously the NFL sits is sitting on billions upon billions of dollars of media rights of media rights money so this is not an issue for them in the short term but it's something certainly that they're paying attention to in the long term because there will be a day when gen z has the spending power and will these patterns hold or will they get old and sit on the couch and watch football like every other generation before them we'll have to see but seriously i think that this does represent an interesting question and i do think that look Live sports are the last thing that people watch on linear TV. I mean, it's not even close. 82 of the 100 most watched shows last year were NFL games. Okay, so not just the NFL. Stop there. And then I think you have uh, Olympics thrown in. Uh, college football had a couple. Uh, I don't think the NBA is up there. But real, it's really the NFL, a few other events. Definitely college football had a couple. And then that's it. So... You know, it is the NFL live sports and then 
nothing else, like almost literally nothing else that people are watching live. But how much is that going to fall in the subsequent years? And these numbers from Gen Z and their interest in sports say probably quite a bit, you know, probably quite a bit. And I think the overall problem with football is, you know, you can talk all you want about how Gen Z, they're more socially aware and they want businesses that have social statements and social purpose. And, and, I, and I get that. I, I mean, look, they grew up in the Trump presidency. COVID was in their most formative years. Uh, climate change is more relevant to them and more in their face than it has been for older generations. Even me, someone who's 30, like I remember when it used to snow in Boston in the winter, you know, I have those memories. They don't. <laughs> so like I, 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 I get that and I respect that. But I think the real thing is really just about the fact that they don't sit down and watch a game for three or three and a half hours. They don't do it. It's not how they consume media. It's not how they watch it. You know, they stream. They don't watch things live. I mean, that appointment viewing, you have to be on your couch at this time to watch this event. It's just not something they do, especially if that event is three, three and a half hours. So yeah, the NFL has a new Thursday night package with Amazon. They're going to YouTube TV with their Sunday ticket package, but that's still missing the crux of the problem, which is the the game. It's just too long. I think a lot of gays who go to your Super Bowl party this Sunday would probably agree. And look, I love football. I like the Super Bowl, but it really represents just blind consumerism, does it not? I mean, last year we had all the crypto commercials. You always have the car commercials, the truck commercials, the beer commercials. And I do think that in 2023, especially after COVID and a lot of the relationship between work and material possessions, it's like, that stuff is just harder to sit there and take in, is it not? I mean, I found those crypto ads personally nauseating during last year's Super Bowl. So that's why for me in my older age, like, yeah, older age 30, I know I'm rubbing it in, <laughs> but really that's why me, I, you know, I still love the Super Bowl. I watch it, but you know, cause I love the NFL and I admit I'm a total hypocrite there. But there is a part of the consumerist aspect of it that I'm like, eh, I don't know. And I don't think it's such a bad thing if we have a death, a continued death to the monoculture. Because why not? We're different people with lots of different interests. And there's something just kind of vanilla <laughs> about it all being thrown together in one fashion. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. You know, because it used to be a foregone conclusion in my life that everybody in the world watched the Super Bowl. But now growing up, living in a city, being exposed to all kinds of different people, I realize that that's not necessarily the case. And it doesn't make them people with like three heads. So it's interesting. Again, the last monolithic cultural event we have, but for how long? That's a question I'd like to leave you with on this week's edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. You can find me via Twitter, at AlexRemer1. My name again is at AlexRemer1. So long, everybody. Again, no show next week. I'll be back the following week, our last show in February. And yes, I will tell you, I promise, the future plans of the show. In all sincerity, thank you for listening. Always means a lot. And I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. <laughs>